Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Better Call Paul is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. Hey, everyone. This is Paul Sarker from Better Call Paul. Just wanted to remind you that the show is intended for entertainment purposes only and is not legal advice. I am not your lawyer unless we separately agree for me to represent you. And the views expressed by Mesh and me are solely our own. Hey everyone, welcome back to Better Call Paul, the show where we get into the legal and business side behind the scenes of Hollywood. I'm your co-host, Paul Sarker, former Marvel lawyer and current big law attorney. And I'm your co-host, Mesh Lakani, pop culture enthusiast, founder of Lola Media. Completely useless when it comes to legal things, but Paul, this is why we do this show. We got a great one for you today. Thanks for listening. Episode 10. Yeah, our episode today is Brad Pitt. Angelina Jolie still have some drama between each other, in this case, dealing with the vineyard that they co-own together. Before we get into that stuff, I got to just say, Paul, I went to an amazing comedy show last night. I got to see Andrew Schultz at Radio City Music Hall. There's something special about this guy. He's got that X factor. Agreed. Yeah, Jessica is a huge fan. She's always showing me his TikToks. I wish I could have made it out last night, but... Awesome that you got to see him and hang out with him. I met him briefly. So my buddy is friends with him. And we went to the after party and he brought his whole crew there. Really, really nice guy. His crew is really cool. And it's nice. It was like they're very diverse. Like the whole group is, you know, they have a South Asian guy. They got a black dude. They, you know, there's a couple of white dudes. It's, it's nice to see that. And as somebody who like enjoys racy comedy, it's nice that, you know, they don't really pull their punches. They really go for it. I enjoy that type of humor. And the crowd was really, really diverse. People from all over the place. Yeah, so that was fun. How was your weekend? I'm getting over a cold, so it wasn't the greatest. But, you know, all in all, can't complain. Luckily, it was just a cold and not anything more serious. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter. And, Paul, I'm glad you're feeling better. Well, let's get into it. So to kick things off, Warner Brothers Discovery, now that the merger's done, there's talks about, hey, We've got this really, really great IP that is the DC Universe. We got Batman, Superman, all the heroes that fall in line with that, all the characters. Let's do an overhaul. How do we create our Marvel Universe, which Kevin Feige has done so amazingly with Disney and Marvel? And can they achieve that? And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they have a lot of IP there. There's a lot of IP for them to work with. There are a lot of characters to work with. They just haven't been able to have done it in a way that Marvel has done it. Although you do have these like popular movies that work. Obviously, the Batman, anything Batman related is interesting. The Suicide Squad finally had like a successful spinoff with the Peacemaker. That did well. 
And so I guess they're thinking like, how do we make this more into like a world of recurring cast of characters and essentially build what Marvel did? Yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, anytime you buy a company with that kind of treasure trove of characters, one of the top agenda items for anyone that's sort of running that content organization is going to be wanting to maximize the value of those characters, right? And so this isn't the first time. I think over the past 15 years, this is probably the third time I've heard who's ever in charge of Warner Brothers saying that they're going to try to make DC more like Marvel in terms of having... Like, I wish we just made a billion dollars on all of our movies, right? That would be yeah. great, right? So, uh, sure, right? I mean, it's I would like to emulate Marvel too. I mean, but it's easier said than done, I think. And I think the thing with Marvel, as you said, is sort of Kevin, Lou D'Esposito, Victoria Alonso, the team on Down Below. I mean, they're very unified and together. And the way they work on things and the continuity they've had really since day one is something that no other studio can share. And so I think because of that, it's kind of like, sure, you got to keep trying if you're DC to find that Kevin Feige type who can keep the hits on coming. But it's also a team and a culture that you have to grow and you can't just sort of buy that, I don't think. Look, you could be the biggest celebrity in the world and launch a podcast and people might not like it. Like You could have the best characters in the world and their movie could end up being crap. It is really, really hard to make great stuff. I think at the end of the day, execution is really important. Having someone who can have that type of creative direction is also important. I think what Marvel has is they have Kevin Feige to be able to put those pieces together. But, you know, now that DC has the Peacemaker, which was successful, I enjoyed it. They're planning a series with Colin Farrell's The Penguin that's going to spin off the Batman movie. So it seems like they are playing with things. They just There's not really connections between those movies. They're all like in their own little different uh, universes. So that's the thing. It's the continuity, right? It's like everything is so meticulously planned and put together like a puzzle at Marvel, right? And they're thinking five or 10 years down the line, how are we going to introduce these characters? How are we going to build out? And sure, you have to adjust and roll with the punches, but there's a vision there. And while I think DC has some great movies and some great shows, it's not necessarily all interconnected in the same way. And so you have Todd Phillips, who makes a great Joker movie, but then what happens after that? You have the Christopher Nolan movies, which I thought were really great, but then there's no continuity after that. And so I think if they were united under sort of one single creative exec who had control over everything and then all the other pieces fell into place, they'd probably be able to do what they're trying to do. But it's easier said than done. I guess we'll see. We'll see. You know, we won't know for at least a couple of years. Interesting. Look, hey, I'll take it. More Batman stuff? Give me more Batman stuff. I'll take it all day except for anything Joel Schumacher has made when it comes to Batman. But I think everyone would agree with me. I've actually met one person who's actually one of our producers on our team who loves Batman and Robin unapologetically. And it's interesting. So we'll see what happens with DC. Let's move on from there. Our second topic we want to talk about is Emily Ratajkowski, actress, model, I think best known for, not best known, but she got her start in that Blurred Lines video, right? I think that's where she was. Right, um, yeah, the Blurred Lines music video. The Blurred Lines music video. But recent copyright case between Emily Ratajkowski and a photographer, Emily Ratajkowski used a photo from a paparazzi in an Instagram story, and then the photographer ended up suing her. I find this thing fascinating. Like Paparazzis take photos of celebrities and then sell it. But then if the celebrity uses the photo of themselves, they can get sued and usually settle out of court. 
The whole thing I just find is like mind blowing. It's weird. I can understand why it wouldn't make sense to you. And honestly, it doesn't really make logical sense to me, but that's kind of why we have law, I guess. So you can sort of justify it. So basically, the basic principle here is if I took a picture of you, I couldn't sell it without your permission, right? Because I couldn't use your name, image, or likeness. That's your right of publicity. So I can't use your image commercially without your permission. However, if I were part of a news organization, then maybe I could. Maybe I'd have the First Amendment right to do that because it would be considered newsworthy. It'd be an exception to the general rule that I couldn't use your right of publicity without your permission. That's the exception that allows them to take photos without getting the celebrity's permission. And it varies from state to state. And But in certain states, you know, celebrities, because they're public figures, have less of an expectation of privacy. But privacy and publicity are kind of intertwined, but they're not the same thing. Then the other factor is copyright. So if you take a picture, you basically own the copyright in that picture, even if you don't necessarily own the thing that you photographed. So let's say you take a picture of a bird sitting in your neighbor's yard. You would own the picture of that bird, but you wouldn't necessarily own the bird itself or the bird cage or your neighbor's yard. So that's the thing with copyright is it's created upon when fixing an expression in a tangible medium. So a creative expression that's fixed in a tangible medium is a copyright. And generally speaking, photographs are copyrights. And in this case in particular, which wasn't actually decided, I want to be clear, they settled yeah. out of court last week. Emily Ratajkowski claimed first that the photograph wasn't an original work and therefore wasn't entitled to copyright protection. And she also claimed that even if it were, there were no damages because it was only in her Instagram story, which was only up for 24 hours, and also that it was a fair use. So what she did wasn't really a use that would have required the permission of the photographer. And none of those grounds were actually decided because they settled. But the judge did say that it's a very low bar to establish that a photograph is original enough to be owned. Sort of. Right. So if I took a picture of a completely blank white wall, I don't know that I could own that. But the minute it becomes anything, even if it's a horrible photograph, it's still art. Yeah, I mean, I, this it's just so crazy to me. Like, you know, you see the tension and the stress that's caused by paparazzi on celebrities. And look, I, I get it. Like, you're a public figure. But then it's like, you know, there a lot of times it's almost borderline harassment. But it's like they're going to make money one way or the other. Their bread and butters take photos of people and then sell it. And then I guess if it's being used, then, well, hey, I'll just sue you, and then maybe we'll settle out of court. It seems like this is an ongoing thing. It's happened with Khloe Kardashian, Liam Hensworth, Gigi Hadid, like settled cases for unknown amounts when they've used like paparazzi photos, and then the paparazzi sues them. So, I mean, to me, it sounds like a little bit like a racket. Like, this is another way for them to get paid. It's actually funny that you mentioned that because there's, I think, one plaintiff's attorney that's kind of at the heart of all of these lawsuits. I think he's filed like 17 of these lawsuits <laughs> against celebrities on behalf of paparazzi. This is like a little industry for this one particular attorney. I think he's actually been penalized for filing frivolous cases. Although in this case, I don't think he was penalized because I think the case was legitimate. But the idea is, and I would tell you or anyone else, don't use content that other people own unless you get their permission, right? Like you, they could have easily, if she wanted to use the photo, she could have gone to the photographer and said, hey, I want to put this on in my Instagram yeah. in, up front. And he could have said yes or no. If he said, it could have been great exposure, right? If she links back to the photographer, exactly, then it's good for him. So I would say- Like a tag him or something. Tag him, get his permission, get an email or whatever. You'd rather- 
clear that hurdle in the beginning than be in a defensive posture trying to argue why what you did wasn't a violation. Because then you're responding to a lawsuit, you're on the defensive, as opposed to sort of if this person's going to be a headache, then just deal with someone else. Yeah, interesting. I mean, obviously, we could go on another episode going deep into like copyright law and, and, and how it works with the paparazzi. It is a massive business. We have People Magazine, we have you know, gossip magazines. And a lot of that is based on these photos that are taken. And obviously the best photo gets paid very well. So I can understand why they're protective of the photos that they take. Like that is how they make money at the end of the day. And if you let people just start using your stuff for free, we probably get into like, okay, well then you make exceptions for everybody. Right. And it's like, you know, a bigger question is like, do these laws really make sense? Obviously, you know, what happened to Princess Diana and when paparazzi goes out of control and they sort of invade your privacy and they're a nuisance, it doesn't really fly. But if they're just out on the street taking a photo of someone who's in public and they're not otherwise sort of annoying them or violating anything, then, you know, that's, I think, what the First Amendment is attempting to protect. We'll talk about copyrights and paparazzi, another thing. Obviously, we can go pretty deep into that subject. Let's take a break. And then when we get back, let's talk about our main topic. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so main topic for today, we're going to talk about Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt continuously being in the news together, one of Hollywood's iconic couples that divorce, but they still share, I guess, businesses together. And in this case, they own a vineyard together, and or Brad owned. Pitt has owned a vineyard together, but Brad Pitt has now filed the lawsuit against Angelina Jolie? Yeah, yeah. This story actually has a little bit of everything, so... I guess the it's Chateau Miraval in the south of France is a vineyard. I think it's 1,200 acres where they bought it together before they were married in 2008. And then they were married for a couple of years and then they got divorced. And she sold her ownership interest in it, I guess, without Brad Pitt's approval. And he's suing to invalidate the sale and also get damages claiming that for the past couple of years, it was his blood, sweat, and tears that made the vineyard profitable. He's invested a ton in it. And to the extent she sold her interest, he had to be able to approve the, the purchaser. And so she didn't comply with his approval right. Well, it's interesting because so obviously when I'm sure when they got divorced, it was pretty extensive when it, they probably had lawyers and had to split up assets and decide what might happen in the future. I would assume during divorce, maybe when they got together, they didn't think about like what would happen if, you know, their love ended and, you know, they were not able to move on as partners. But in a divorce, isn't this something that would be potentially discussed where, hey, like we own this asset together, I guess someone could sell, but you would need the other person to approve of that? Like, how do you sell a business when the other person doesn't even know that you're selling your part of it? So there's a, a lot to unpack in that question. So Yes, normally in a divorce, this would be considered, well, this is even more tricky because they both owned it separately before they were married. 
so their ownership interest in the vineyard predates their marriage. So it wasn't necessarily community property because they had it separately through separate LLCs before they got married. But sure, when you're getting divorced, all of the stuff gets thrown in the hopper and they could have just said, okay, Brad, you really care about the vineyard, you get the vineyard. In exchange for whatever Angelina Jolie's interest is worth, let's call it $50 million, you have to give her $50 million or something that you co-own, right? Or So, you know, they could have split the pie that way, but they didn't. And I think, I actually think their divorce proceeding hasn't fully resolved yet. It's still going on. And I think the custody was just awarded uh. last fall. So it's still going. But as part of the divorce proceeding, she said that she was interested in exploring a sale because she couldn't be business partners with him anymore on this business. Right. And he said, okay, you can explore a sale, but I need to be able to approve the buyer. And that's where this thing went awry because he found out that she sold it to someone without him approving the buyer. And then another interesting tidbit is the buyer is a Russian oligarch. So now the vineyard could fall under sanctions, which have been triggered by the recent invasion of Ukraine. So now his interest, not only does he not control it the way he did before, his interest could be diluted. He might not even be able to operate it or sell the wine the same way he, he could have before because he's now in business with the Russians. Okay, I can understand why he's pissed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or his smiling lawsuit. Like, first of all, I, I think regardless of being, you know, a Russian oligarch and all the stuff that comes with that right now, if you own a business and suddenly you're like, oh, hey, this is your new business partner, and you're like, who is this person? I'm sorry, like, where did you come from? But now you own, like, a nice chunk of my of my business. Like, I agree that it would need to be approved. And so I would assume that, you know, there was probably something in an agreement between them that said, if you did want to sell it, you have to have my approval. But then in this case, I, I guess would a lawsuit, is the purpose of the lawsuit to stop that sale? To stop the sale and to get damages, yeah. I think he's suing to invalidate the sale in Europe because the property, I mean, this this literally has everything. The property- yeah is owned by a French entity that is governed by French and local law. But the owners, Angelina Jolie's entity was a California LLC and Brad Pitt's entity was a California LLC. He's suing her in California court for monetary damages. At the same time, he's pursuing an invalidation of the sale in Europe because he might not win on the invalidation of the sale and then he wants money. But (laughs) the thing that's tricky is normally you would not go into a business venture well, I don't want to say normal or abnormally, right? We would advise our clients not to go into a business venture with a business partner without certain protections, right? Because you may like business partner one, but if that business partner changes, either through a change of control or some sort of divorce or death or incapacity or whatever, you typically want to be able to approve who that successor is or who the next person is. So- yeah. Generally speaking, we advise to have restrictions on transfer, assignment, change of control so that you have the ability to approve the next person you're doing business with. Because in a private company context or a closely held company context where it's just a handful of people running a business, if you don't get along with the partner, that could have a meaningful impact on the value of the business. This isn't like owning a couple hundred shares of Microsoft, right? This is like you materially have an impact on the business if you don't like the people you're working with. Or if she sold her shares to one of your competitors, that could be horrible, right? So in these situations, you know, we advise our clients to always have change of control protection. 
But what may have happened here is the flip side is, you know, she might have had her lawyers look at the paperwork and said, find a way to structure this deal that doesn't trigger his approval rights. And what may have happened is she didn't sell the ownership in interest in the vineyard. She may have sold her California LLC to this oligarch. Uh, right, 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 right. Interesting. So that she sells her California LLC to, in this case, Yuri Shuffler, who is the Russian oligarch. And then now he then, so the LLC could still be, still have a controlling ownership of the vineyard, but it's now not owned by Angeline Jolie. It's owned by this new person. Exactly. And that's why this stuff is so harebrained. I mean, it, it can literally hinge on a word, right? Like a transfer of control or a transfer by the owner or a transfer of the owner. So if the document said something like the ownership interest can't be transferred, okay, that's one thing. But if she could then say, well, I'm not selling my ownership interest, I'm just selling the entity. So what we would do to protect against that is to say that that's sort of an indirect change of control. We'd say directly or indirectly, you can't transfer it. So you can't sell the underlying asset and you also can't sell the business that owns the asset without Brad Pitt's approval. But we just don't know what the paperwork said. Yeah, and it's also like, this is not just any vineyard. So from the lawsuit says, the vineyard became... Pitt's passion and a profitable one as Miraval, under Pitt's stewardship, has grown to a multi-million dollar international success story and one of the world's most highly regarded producers of rosé wine. And then in this lawsuit, Pitt claims that since Scheffler assumed control of Jolie's stake in Miraval late last year, he and his agents have disrupted the vineyard's ability to manage its affairs and sought to seize operational control of the wine business, contacting Maravel's distributors to discuss contract terms without authority of Marvel's knowledge or consent. So it seems like, you know, it's not like as simple as this guy being like, hey, I'm the new, I'm your new partner, like high five. It seems like he's trying to like really disrupt this business and Pitt doesn't really have a, it's not like he's got a good working relationship partnership in this case. No, I mean, I understand why he's pissed. The question is, does he have a case, right? So if he didn't have the ability to prevent her from performing an indirect transfer or an indirect change of control, then she may not have violated any contractual arrangement between them. And this may just be something he has to manage. Oof. But what we would say, you know, on the front end of this, if we were structuring a deal, and granted, like at the time they were in love. So, it's, you know, you don't want to second guess everything. In hindsight, it's 2020. They were in love. They weren't thinking about how this thing could go wrong. And this is something that often happens when businesses undergo changes and people don't want to be in business with their business partners after five or 10 years. So it's not an uncommon thing. But the common, the market ask is approval of change of control. If that's too aggressive, then sometimes it's it's simply a first opportunity or a right to match. So it's like, okay, business partner B, if you want to sell your company, you're allowed to do that. But before you can, you have to either offer it to me or offer it to the other owners. Tell us what you think the fair value of your share is. And if we don't want to buy it, then you can take it out to the free market. If you find someone that wants to pay your price, then okay, great. But you have to bring it back to us and we get to decide if we want to pay that price or not. Right? That's kind of the matching right. So in that scenario, let's say she went out on the market and said, okay, there's this Russian oligarch. He wants to pay me $100 million for my shares. At that point, that would typically start a clock where Brad Pitt could then try to go raise the money to buy it and say, okay, well, I'd rather have 100% control over this and I'll pay you the 100 uh, million instead. Yeah, yeah. 
just to avoid Ooh. all of this. But that didn't happen either. Well, I mean, if, and if I'm like Russian oligarch, I want to want you to pay like a significant premium if you want me out. At that point, his leverage is, yeah, okay, if you want to buy it, the price is X, much more than- Right, for- and, and people don't want to be a stalking horse. So a lot of times, buyers don't want to bid in a situation where there's someone else that has a matching right because what they don't want to do is just end up inflating the price for someone else. Or, you know, matching rights have a chilling effect on the market. And all these things are sort of restrictions on change of control make things less liquid. These things are already pretty illiquid. But it's the only way to protect your client if your client is a business partner. Do you have, I mean, granted that this was done before everything that what's happening now in, in, in Russia and Ukraine, but with the sanctions now, does that offer any type of like ability for him to have some type of out here where like, look, like this is going to harm my business if in this case sanctions or anything affect our vineyard business because now one of the big partners here is Russian. Like that doesn't really provide a case at all. Like that's just too bad. Well, it may not help him in terms of invalidating the case, but it may make his damages worse. So if he is able to make a case, right, and and prove that she violated the terms of their agreement and that violation can't be undone, he could say, well, let's say before all of this, my interest in the vineyard was worth $100 million, And now with the sanctions and the revenue and all the public sort of vitriol, it's only worth $30 million. So his damages could be increased by the fact that he can't monetize the vineyard because of the sanctions. But it's not the type of thing that would typically undo the transaction. Does that make sense? Man. Yeah, no, it does make sense. It increases the harm, but it doesn't necessarily change the result. Well, I mean, seems complicated. It's unfortunate. Again, like, you know, the divorce is tough. Like uh, these situations are, I'm sure that she, in her case, like, yeah, like I don't want to be in business with somebody anymore. And I, I just want to get rid of this thing. And maybe it just went to the, you know, this is the person who's willing to offer me money for this and let's go. Like, I don't think she was thinking that, or I don't know what she was thinking. And I don't know what she was thinking either, but I do know there are a lot of times when accountants, lawyers, your clients say, this is the result I would like to happen. Find a way to make it happen, right? So if you look at the agreements and you're pouring over the documents and you say, well, technically, you know, Brad Pitt doesn't have the ability to stop her from selling the entity. She can't sell her interest in the winery, but she can sell the entity. Boom, you have your out. I mean, some would say it's a loophole. Some would say it's sort of a sophisticated party negotiating a deal, but she may have found a way out. We just don't know. Interesting. I guess we'll we'll find out sooner or later. I mean, it's a really messy case. And then if you add the oligarch <laughs> side of it, and and as you know, I mean, people go into businesses, they're, they're not going into them expecting them to fail sure. or expecting them to not want to be in business with their business partners in the yeah. future. And that's kind of the, maybe one of the downsides of my job is that we have to have our clients like hit the pause button and like, let's think about if this doesn't go the way you plan, what are your protections going to be? How are you going to get out of this? Or you know, what are the risks that could materialize and how do you want to protect against them? I mean, that's something that we always try to counsel our clients against. And they're often in the position where they're like, no, let's do the deal. I want to do the deal. Where do I sign? I want to get started, right? Like they're hoping for the best. They're optimistic. And sometimes it's something in between. So, well, I guess we'll we'll keep an eye on this and, and you know, we'll see if more news comes out about it later and what happens with this lawsuit and whether he has a case or not. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, that's our show for this week, folks. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. And we'll be back next week 
This episode is edited and produced by Valentino Rivera, Marco Seiler Gonzalez, with assistant producer Justin Sanchez and assistant research producer Haas Nasser. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone.